All right, good morning. It's 10 o'clock, the official start of the last class of the, of the fall. Uh, and as since we timed it out, this is Matthew 27, 28. It's the last class. It's the last chapter of Matthew. It's amazing how we can figure that stuff out. All right, let's stand for the Shema. One last time. All right, and so all the guys who don't want to stand still have to stand. You still have to stand. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Amen. Have a seat. All right, remember where we're at here. The, you know, the theme of the book of Matthew is Jesus is the new Moses, and that the kingdom of God is here. Those are the two overriding themes. So we're walking through this. When we left him at the end of chapter 26, Jesus has been arrested. He's in front of the high priest, uh, who is, if you, if you read something, Annas is the real high priest. He got sideways with Pilate. So Pilate removed him from office and put his, son Caiaph, his son-in-law, Caiaphas, in. But everyone considers Annas the real high priest. So he's the power behind the throne. Caiaphas is the one that puts the dress on and makes all the pronouncement. Annas is the one that makes all the decisions. Except for the fact that a little later on, Caiaphas has, may have had Annas killed. But that's... That's politics. Uh, yeah, because Annas disappears, and there, there's a lot of possibilities that he may have been poisoned uh, because there, there's lots of power struggles going on at this time. All right, so Jesus is in front of Pilate. Uh, and then, as you know from some of the other Gospels, he goes back and forth a little bit between Pilate and Herod uh, when Pilate fights. Because Pilate does not want to crucify Jesus because he can't find anything wrong with him. All right, I thought this is actually a satellite view of the hill of Jerusalem with the old city superimposed on it, just to kind of give you an idea of the topography that we're dealing with. Beth Page is up here. Bethany is about right here. This is the road to Jericho. You can see it kind of just goes down... Uh, the hill. You can see the temple sits on top of the highest hill. The second highest hill is over here where you have the palace of Herod. Uh, the Hasmonean's palace was here, which is the official, uh, the official house of the high priest. The Antonia fortress is here. This is where the Romans lived. It's even taller than the temple. Uh, the Romans are not subtle about anything that they do. So they looked and said, what's the highest place in the city? It's the temple. So where should we build our fortress so we can look down on the temple right next to it? So when Jesus goes back and forth, he's going through the upper city and into the temple. This right here is the Essene district. Down here, that's probably the house of Caiaphas is down here, and the upper room's down here. And so Jesus goes back and forth through the last two chapters through all these different areas. Uh, and then you get into the, there are, there's untold writings of where is Golgotha, where was he crucified, where was he buried. And if you go there, 
pick, pick your person and he'll take you to the place where Jesus was crucified. Uh, this, is I, I found yesterday playing around, is a, a reconstruction, 3D reconstruction of the city. So you can kind of get a feel. When people say the temple was Jerusalem, there you go. The temple. The rest of the city. I mean, so the, the reason Jerusalem existed was the temple. And so when Jesus was teaching in the temple, he's teaching here, he's teaching here. This is the Antonio Fortress here where the Romans lived. Uh, this is Herod's temple all the way over here. Uh, this is the upper district where the, uh, the priest lived and the Essenes lived. So when Jesus is going back and forth over the last little bit, He's over here in the Antonio Fortress. They take him here. They take him across his viaduct. They take him over here. They go, ah, why don't you go back to Herod the Great? Herod the Great's sitting up here. They take him to Herod. Herod goes, I can't find anything wrong with him. Go back and see Pilate. So you go back up here and go to Pilate. So he's going back and forth in the middle of the night, which, of course, under Jewish law is not allowed, and especially on Passover, and especially on the Sabbath, which is about to roll up. Uh, and the funniest part is all the, all the guys who care so much about the law are all making themselves unable to celebrate the Passover because they're going to see the Romans. They're leaving the temple. So we start chapter 27. Remember, Judas has uh, taken money. He's turned over Jesus. Jesus has been arrested by the temple police. The Romans aren't involved at this point. Uh, so early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? This is your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. Every Jew just haggles one up. We just paid someone to have someone killed. But oh, it's against the law to take the money back. I mean, how... You know, you're talking about the little thing. The little thing. This is blood money. It can't go into the treasury. Yeah, we just, we just violated one of the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, but I can't take this dirty money back into the treasury. Uh, since it's blood money, so they decided to use the money to buy Potter's Field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the Field of Blood to this day. Uh, and was also what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the prize, set it, on him by the people of Israel, and they used it to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded, which is Zechariah and Jeremiah. The reason the stories here, remember, Matthew always brings stories in to show what the Old Testament prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, he also is playing with, he also is doing a word play here. Uh, they want, the, the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees who control Jerusalem want to call this the, tip, the potter's field, right? Because it's, it's where they got a lot of clay. However, in Hebrew, the word for potter and the word for Hebrew are the same word. 
there are, there are no vowels in Hebrew. It's all consonants. And you have to insert the vowel according to what the context says. So the word for potter and the word for treasury are the same word, except you have to put different vowels in. And so what Matthew is saying to the Jews, they, were, they all called it the treasury field because they knew that it was bought with money from the treasury of the temple. So he is reminding the Jews, remember this is 30 years later, he's writing this book, that the Jews, the Sadducees, bought this field with bloody money. So even though it's called the potter's field, it's really the same word as, as treasury in Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, 30 pieces of silver here, Exodus uh, 31. That is the price, you wonder how they come up with 30 pieces of silver. That's the price in Exodus that's required if your beast kills a slave. You owe the slave owner 30 pieces of silver. So that's how they came, that tells you how they valued Jesus. The Sadducees did, and the Pharisees. They valued him as a slave. That gives you the value that they're putting on it. And that's also what Matthew is telling the Jewish readers here, is that Jesus was valued as a slave, not the Son of God, not the Messiah, a slave. And uh, I was talking, uh, there's, there are two major theories on Judas. Kind of the traditional theory is that Judas was greedy and he was just getting money. The other theory is Judas was a zealot. We know Judas is a zealot. His name says Iscariot, it, roughly translated zealot. And so the thought was what Judas was, was he wanted to force Jesus' hand. And so he thought, if I get Jesus arrested, remember, Judas has been with him for years. He has healed people. He has seen people raised from the dead. He knows Jesus is powerful. So the thought is that Judas is a zealot. And he says, if I get Jesus arrested, God will send legions of angels down here. He will free him. He will put him on the throne. And the Jewish kingdom is back with Jesus as the head. And so that is one thought of why Judas did this. Not because he was necessarily, he may have been greedy too, but that he wanted, he wanted to force God's hand. And that when he sees Jesus being taken away prisoner and the angels did not come down and they didn't smite the evil Sadducees and they didn't kill the Romans, that he has remorse and he goes and hangs himself because he says, I backed the wrong guy. He's not really the Messiah. So that's kind of the two theories of, of, of Judas. Uh, any questions, thoughts about that? That makes more, much more sense that he was trying to get Jesus to be... Well, I mean, you know, we, exposed. We, we do that all the time. We try to force God into stuff. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember which preacher told me this, but he goes... He goes, you shouldn't live your life that requires a miracle to get you out of the trouble that you got yourself in. He says, we do that all the time. He said, you know, 
you know, says we do, we make decisions and then we pray, God, get me out of this. He says, you know, sometimes we've created scenarios that require a miracle, and sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says yes. And so I think that's a lot, a lot of what I see is that's what Judas was doing, was going, I'm going to force God to do this because I know I'm right and Jesus is going to be king. But again, you know, all the other apostles were the same, in the same boat. They just didn't turn him over because as we know from the other books, they're gone, right? They're, they're all you know, heading north to Galilee, heading to the upper room. They're, they're out of here. Uh, and so he just chooses a different way to do it. He tries to force... They're all expecting Jesus to do the same thing as to establish his kingdom. It just Judas is t- taking a little more direct action of, I'm going to make him... Because I want the military kingdom that was David to be reestablished here. All right, and so... Jesus is taken for Pilate. He's in the Antonio Fortress, right next to the temple. Uh, and the governor asks him, are you king of the Jews? Why is he asking this? Why would he ask him if you're king of the Jews? What, what's the two rules of Rome? Pay, pay your taxes and don't, don't rebel. If Jesus is king, what's he doing? He's rebelling. That's, that will get you killed. And so that's what, that's what the Jewish leaders are telling Pilate. Because in order to get Jesus killed, you got to, that Jesus taught uh, words that they didn't like, Pilate's going to look at him and laugh. They have to get something that Pilate is going to kill him for. So they said, he's call, he called himself king of the Jews. So Pilate, Pilate asked him that. And Jesus says, you have said so. Which is, you know, kind of like, yeah, you said it. And then when he was accused by the priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Do you not hear the testimony they are bringing against you? Jesus made no reply, not to do the single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. And so from the other stories we know, there's a couple of things. He goes over to Herod and comes back. There's other things going on. Matthew kind of compresses this. uh, Because to Matthew, that... To the Jews, the crucifixion is less, far less important than the Sunday morning coming up from the dead, the resurrection. And so as the governor's custom and a festival to release a prison, now this is the big festival, so he tried, Pilate has, we know from history, Pilate is not the world's best governor. He gets in trouble all the time for being too harsh or too lenient. Uh, and so he tries, there's a well-known prisoner whose name was, this is the only book that tells him his name was Jesus Barabbas. Yeshiva, Yeshua, Barabbas. Yeshua is Jesus' name. That means the deliverer. Barabbas, Bar means son of, Abba means father. So this guy's name is the deliverer, son of the father. Uh, He's clearly a zealot who's in prison for rebelling against uh, the Romans. And so Pilate asked him, which one do you want? Which is, to the Jews, they would, they would see the humor or the irony in this. What, what Pilate asked him is, do you want the deliverer son of the father, which is a name for Jesus, or do you want 
Yeshua, the deliverer, who is the Messiah, the anointed one. He's basically asking, what do you want? They're both the same person. Jesus, it's Jesus the Son of the Father, or Jesus the Deliverer. And so we miss that irony of the names. Uh, and for he knew out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to them. He knew it was a religious thing. It was not. Jesus, he, you know, he's keeping track of what's going on. He knows Jesus is not teaching overthrowing the government. So he does not particularly want to kill Jesus. And then uh, when he sent to the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So his wife gets a dream uh, that, that Jesus is innocent. And uh, she says, you know, don't execute him. But the chief priest and the, uh, the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Which do you want to release to you? You know, we've all seen this if you've seen the movie uh, at this point. Uh, we want Barabbas, we want Barabbas, we want Barabbas. Uh, crucify him. What? And he says, what crime has he committed? And they just said crucify him. And Pilate's in a tough place here. He only has a relatively small amount of soldiers with him. We know that there's, he has at most a legion, so it's 5,000. He probably doesn't have all of them. And Jerusalem at this point has, you know, normally a town of about 50,000, probably has a couple hundred thousand. So this is rapidly becoming a mob. And so he gets in trouble. He got in trouble earlier in his reign because he overreacted and killed a bunch of people when there was a mob. He sent the troops into him and killed them. Rome yelled at him. And we know he gets removed in five years from now for doing the same thing again. He overreacts, kills a bunch of Samaritans, and then the, the emperor at that time gets, ha gets rid of him, takes him back to Rome. So he ha has this struggle going on of, I can solve this mob, but I'm going to have to kill some people. And he's constantly struggling, so he, even though there's no crime, he says, all right, I'll crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, remember, you know, we're looking at the Antonia Fortress, you have all the people in the, the uh, area of the Gentiles and the women in the temple, there's room for a lot of people there. Uh, and he is your responsibility, I am innocent. Uh, and then he released Barabbas, he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Uh, and then he takes them to the Praetorium, which is where uh, he is and where the Roman soldiers are. Uh, they gather the whole company of soldiers around him. That means however many uh, Pilate had with him. That's probably a fair number in the Praetorium. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe, and put together a crown of thorns and set on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him, mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews. The Romans did not like the Jews. The Jews did not like the Romans. So the average soldier was told, this is the king of the Jews. So they are treating him with disrespect and contempt. And uh, we know this because there are actually, if in, in Jerusalem today, you can actually find graffiti 
that the Romans write about how much they don't like the Jews. It's pretty funny. Uh, and so they mocked him. They struck him again and again. Uh, took off his robe, put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. So they're, they're basically mocking him as king of the Jews, saying, you're king of the Jews, look, look who's in charge of you. You're about to get crucified, but you're the king. So this was very, uh, this was basically Rome versus the Jews and just the contempt they have. And then while they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, or Simon who forced him to carry the cross. Basically, Jesus had been, had been flogged. He'd been beaten up. He'd been all night. And you carried the cross being for your own cross. And as we knew, know earlier in the book, they're allowed to pick up people and make you do something for one mile with them, carry loads or whatever. So, uh, so Simon of Cyrene, we know from some of the other books that he becomes a Christian and that his sons become leaders in the church. Uh, so he's, he's obviously a Jew here for Passover. Uh, they, there they offer Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting he refused to drink it. They're not being mean to him with that. Because if you look at some of the other books, they say myrrh instead of gall. That is a pain reliever. And so what Jesus is doing here is saying, I, I don't want to be dulled on the cross. I am, I'm going here to be your, the sacrifice for all sins. I'm not going to take this wine and this myrrh and this gall and make me so that I don't feel as much. So, I mean, they, they really were being nice to him. Is that, was that a standard tradition, you think, to give a... Maybe. Uh, remember, uh, crucifixion was not the standard punishment. If you went against Rome, they generally just cut your head off. Uh, it was quick. It was easy. Uh, crucifixion was reserved when they wanted to make a statement. And uh, the story... Uh, Zipporah is a little town near Nazareth where Jesus grew up. When Jesus was probably four or five, when Herod the Great dies, Zipporah is a Roman town in Galilee. It is, it's the uh, regional tax uh, receipts are kept there, and there's a small ar- uh, contingent of troops there. Uh, Judah, one of the many, many, many Judas who leads a rebellion, decides that he's going to rebel because Herod the Great is dead. So he, he gathers some guys, goes and overthrows Zipporah. Uh, the Romans are not fast with their troops, but they are very thorough. So the guys gathering Zipporah, it's les mis. You know, if we, if we raise the banner, people are going to come to us. We're going to rebel. You know, hear the people sing, sing some, you know, all that. They're singing that in Zipporah. Nobody comes. Well, not, not nobody. The Romans come. And they camp around Zipporah. Zipporah was built by them. It's a Roman city. Uh, and so the guys in the city go, oops, maybe we shouldn't have done this. But they, already, they, did, they did two bad things. They stole the tax money, and they rebelled. And so the Romans said, typical Roman rules, all the, men, all the women and children in the town come out, you'll be slaves. The men, were going to kill y'all. And if you, if you surrender... Uh, We'll just cut your heads off. If you rebel, bad things are going to happen. They said, ah, we can handle this. People are going to rise, just like during uh, the Hasmonean Empire when the Maccabees came. Nobody comes. 
Finally, the Romans said, all right, we've had enough. Uh, they destroy the city. This is their own city. They build it. They level it to the ground. Everyone that they capture, if you're a man, they put crosses around the entire city, circumvented the city, put the guys up on the cross, let them sit there until they died. Then they put a guard on them and didn't allow their families to take the bodies down. They waited until they rotted on the crosses and all the vultures and the animals ate them. Then they left the, the, uh, what's left of the bones up there and kept a guard there and, set, and made everybody from the area walk by the city and go, this is what happens when you rebel against Rome. Crucifixion is a statement of Rome is in power, you are not. That happened about three miles from Jesus' town of Nazareth. When growing up, he would have been told that story. Mary would have definitely been known that story. Joseph would have known that story. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that Joseph was probably employed to rebuild Zipporah after the Romans destroyed it, because they rebuilt it as another, as another one of their cities. So when they crucify people, they do it by road so that everyone walking by can look, this is the power of Rome. No, I mean, and so they took him to Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Uh, if you go to Jerusalem today, they'll take you to the place that looks like a skull. That may or may not actually be. There's lots of arguments on where it was. Uh, it's uh, the best one I've read, which goes into a lot of Josephus and some early Romans, because part of the problem you have is finding where Jesus is buried and where he's crucified is in AD 70, the Romans, Romans leveled the city. And then they re, Hadrian rebuilt it as a Roman city on top of what was left of the Jewish city. So a lot of what was there was built over. And the worst thing that happened was when Constantine became emperor, his mother became a Christian. She comes to Jerusalem and says two things. I want the cross that Jesus was crucified on. This is at AD 320. And show me where he was buried. If the emperor's mom shows up and says, I want to see the cross, what are the odds that they find the cross? <laughs> About 100%, right? And what are the odds they find where Jesus was buried? 100% they're going to find where Jesus was buried. Uh, so where if the uh, cathedral, the, the, uh, what, uh, where he's buried in Jerusalem, Sepulchre is probably close to where he's buried. It's probably not exactly where he's buried. Because where he's crucified and buried are probably under Roman roads that they built a little, you know, 50 years after he was crucified. Well, they have now uh, a rock quarry and it was outside the city right. walls. And, and now they've been able to do 3D point. And so about 90% that was the spot. Right, 90% that that, where it was his burial. They still yeah. had Christians that could take her there. And That's it. Also, the Romans had also built a temple on top of that, yes. On the top of that spot because they were making a statement. Right, because when the Romans, when Hadrian builds this temple, he builds the temple of, Zeus, of uh, Venus directly over where the Christians said Jesus was buried because once again he's showing who's in charge it's the Romans, whose gods are better, my gods are better. So I'm going to put a temple right over it. So uh, the Church of the Sepulchre is built on the foundations of the Temple of Venus that Hadrian built in like AD 80. 
And so it's, it's pretty close. Uh, and then the actual crucifixion site is also probably pretty close. Uh, ju just for uh, fun Greek and Aramaic, uh, Golgotha is Aramaic. It means the place of the skull. Uh, Calvary is uh, Latin for the same word. It means skull. Uh, so that there, it's the same place. And it actually means top of the head. Uh, the place they will show you a lot has is the front, looks like a skull. Yeah, was Jesus crucified? You know, all the pictures we have, right? What's Jesus? He's on top of a hill, right? Three crosses. All that dates from the 8 or 900s. That's Catholic from the 8 or 900s. The first pictures of that are 800 years later. The reality is the Romans crucified people by roads. So he's probably close to where that skull is, but probably was down... They, the Romans wouldn't have put him on top of the hill. Because you remember, it's the Romans. They got, the soldiers have to carry the stuff up there. They're not going to do extra work. And they always do it by roads. They want it right by the intersection so that everyone who walks by, you go, see that? That's what happens when you rebel. Pay your taxes, don't rebel. And so it, he's probably very near that area. Uh, but it, the actual crucifixion site was probably paved over sometime in the 80s or 90s AD. Uh, and then, you, then you've got all the churches that have been built, you know, the Roman churches, the Christian churches, the Orthodox churches, and then you have the, the uh, Islam coming in, taking over. You've got 2,000 years of history stack. So can we find where he's at? No, yeah, we can be pretty close. Exactly where? Maybe. So uh, they divided up the casting is closed by lots, which of course is another uh, Old Testament prophecy about him. Uh, they kept watch over there, and over the head they placed the rich. They placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. They did it in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. This is Pilate getting back at the Sadducees. He wants to make sure that everybody can read who Jesus was. Uh, because he says, if you're going to tell me, Sadducees, that Jesus is the king of the Jews, I'm going to tell everyone else that he's the king of the Jews. And we know from the book of John, or Luke, they come to him and say, no, 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 no. Don't write, he is king of the Jews. We want you to write, he said he was king of the Jews. And then Pilate says, nope, what I've written is what I've written. And that's what's written on top of his. And they, and they would tend to, they would put placards around your neck or they'd, do the, they'd have big letters so everyone who walked by can see why you're on the cross. And then two rebels who were zealots were crucified with him. Uh, and then those who passed by hurled insults at him and said, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the laws and the elders mocked him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Now, if he wants, he can say, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So Matthew is telling the story that everybody, the powers that be, are really insulting Jesus as he's dying on the cross. Chris, those who pass by, it's another thing that's like... Right, he's on a road. Right, he's on a road. He's out at the intersect, and we think he's out the, the northern gate, 
which is the road, the wall that was built around that time. Uh, so he's just outside the city gates here, because once again, the Romans want to, they're making a statement. Uh, and from noon till three, the darkness came over all the land. So in the Old Testament, when darkness shows up in the middle of the day, something's happening. And then about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, which is direct quote from Psalms 21. Uh, if you look at the book of Mark, it says, uh, Eloi, E-L-I-O, E-L-I-O. Mark is saying Aramaic, this is Hebrew. So they're saying the same thing. They're saying, my God, my God. One's my God in Aramaic, one's my God in Hebrew. Uh, that, that, we talk about yes. That. that always bothered me so much. Um, what is your feeling? Uh, what? Where, where God said, where Jesus says that, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For, for the first time ever, Jesus is being separated from God. Because this is the moment there's a because he cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. This is the moment that he is dying. He is, his spirit, for the first time ever, has been separated from God. And that, because if he's God, he can't die. And so you've got, and then he's also, if he's God, he can't take the sacrifice. He can't take the, uh, all our sins on him. Because he is the, he's the sacrifice for all our sins. So he has to be separate. Because sin sacrifice separates you from God. So he is taking all our sins on. He's being separated by God at this moment. That's what he's calling, is that you're, for the first time, I'm separated from God. And he's kind of gone into more of the human state, state instead of the God state. Right, that he is now, his spirit is, for the first time ever, separated from God. And that's what, that's what I, how I interpret that, that he's saying that. And, most people want to say that forsaken means why did you leave me on the cross? But I agree with you, it's more that this is the first time God's not holding his hand in a you know, Yes, they're not together, yeah. The way to speak is, you know, he's not holding his hand now. But he has to separate himself because he has to. Yeah. It's also the only time he refers to the being there as God. Most of the time he returns to him the Father. Father, right, because they're, they're, they're separate here. And then uh, they tried to give him uh, vinegar, wine, basically try to ease his pain. Uh, he refuses it. Uh, and the reason he calls Elijah uh, is at this ta- time, Elijah was seen as the rabbis. If they got in trouble, they would call Elijah. Because remember, who, who, was John, you know, who was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was essentially Elijah. Elijah was coming to prepare the way for the Messiah. So they think, oh, he's calling Elijah. Uh, he's not, he's talking to God. Uh, and then he gave, up, he gave up his spirit. He died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from the top and the bottom. Uh, the earth shook, rocks split, the tombs opened, the bodies of many holy people who had been died had raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared to people. This is not an ordinary day. It turns dark. There's an earthquake. And uh, 
This is a, re a reconstruction of what the inside of the temple looked like. This is Herod's temple. Remember we said there's gold everywhere? Gold, 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 gold. So when they burnt this, the gold ran out in molten gold. The, all right, I'll get to two seconds. But, all right. All right, I'll come back. So this is what it looked like. At 3 o'clock, they are doing the sacrifice of Passover. That's the time. So when he dies is literally the time they're sacrificing the Passover lamb in the temple. So they're bringing in here. That's exactly the same time. And so you have this huge... This is the most holy, this is the holy place. The most holies is in here. There, obviously, there is no Ark of the Covenant because they never found it, but they still had this room, and they had this huge veil between the top, the Holy of Holies and the holy place, and it splits from the top down. And I've heard it's not like a sheer little curtain. No. Got, you know, Very thick. It's four inches thick is what I've heard. Yes, it's woven. It's, yeah. It's not like it just, you know. Yeah, so this was, this was not accidental. And so that's the picture of what you would see if, if you were one of the, happened to the four priests who were standing there. So all the women, you couldn't be in here. But if you're one of the priests, actually, if you're not a Levite, you couldn't be in here either. So we're, we're all, not, none of us are in there. So that's, uh, so you see the splitting of the curtain. Yes, all right. What, what question? Comment? Uh, more of a comment. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, reminding you back to the same comment that made earlier concerning that statement bothering uh, 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 bothering me and others. Right. Uh, why has salvation taken me? Uh, I cannot buy into the fact that Jesus on the cross felt God's was free and him. Uh, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, he was quoting scripture. Uh, and that was just a little bit of that scripture. If you go back and look at the rest of that that verse, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it goes to these, these statements uh, that are, my God, my God, my God, for so many months I went so far away, my God, I cry out in the daytime, you enter not in the middle of the night, you don't. Uh, and then, uh, but our fathers trusted in that he, they trusted and thou didst, thou didst deliver them. They cried out unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not put to shame. That is where he's at, I think. Yes, I think, I think you're right. I think he's there. He's understanding that. But like I said, the same thing. It's the first time he's ever, God has not forsaken him. It just, they are, they're separated. And that was, you know, because he's, he, at that point, he feels the weight of all our sins on him because he has to be separated from, because sin separates you from God. So he was really feeling human. From very, very human at that point. And then uh, the centurion says, surely this was the son of God. He sees some, this is not a normal crucifixion. Uh, and then just a quick little one. Who was actually at the cross? Uh, other than John, all the apostles are gone because they're all running like scared cats at this point. Uh, Judas is dead, uh, and the rest of them are running. Uh, Matthew says you got Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, who are also James the Lesser, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. 
Uh, interesting, out of the four, out of the three books, really talk about it. Uh, it's funny, Luke, who talks about women more than anybody else in any book, does not list the women who are at the cross. The other guys who talk about women the least actually list the women. Uh, Mary Magdalene's in all three. Uh, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, who is also, according to early Christian history, Mary, the wife of Clopas, are the same person. Uh, Color-coded. Salome, most people think, are the mother of Zebedee's sons is Salome, who, in some people's mind, is also his mother, Mary's sister, which makes uh, James and John Jesus' cousins. Although, understanding in, in that era, sister can be a very uh, variable word. It can be sister-in-law, it can be cousin, it can be some female relative. So, so we know what's happened, and that's how the Catholics come up with Jesus didn't have brothers. Right. Half-brother, yeah, cousins or whatever, yes. But, so, the women are standing at the cross, the men have all left except John. We know that's it because John in his gospel says uh, that he is given, uh, that Jesus looks at him and says, Mary, see your son, son, see your mother. Which actually makes sense then if they're cousins or relatives of some sort. Uh, burial of Jesus, uh, Joseph of uh, Arimathea, who we know from one of the other gospels, is actually on the Sanhedrin, which makes him a, he's either a Pharisee or Sadducee. We're not, we're not sure which. Uh, he is rich, which tends to point you towards Sadducee. And his burial tomb, he's from Arimathea, which is a town north of Jerusalem, but his burial tomb's in Jerusalem. All that kind of points you to he may in fact be a Sadducee. He is a believer, though. Because uh, he goes to Jesus and asks for his body. Remember, usually they leave the bodies up on the cross for a long time because they want a symbol. Pilate allows Joseph to take Jesus' body down in a day. Which again is a is actually a positive thing, because I think Pilate, if I was him, I think Pilate's feeling guilty about this. So when Joseph comes to him, he goes, "Okay, yeah, I'll take the body down." He's also he's also a rich guy. He may he may know Pilate as a Sadducee. He's definitely knows it because he's on the Sanhedrin. Didn't Pilate have a dream or his wife? His wife his wife had a dream. Says, "Don't do anything to do with this guy, because he's innocent." Yeah, and so he he allows him to take it down. They bury him in a new tomb that Joseph had built, and that's where you get into this, the church of the uh, Holy Sepulchre. <laughs> Holy Sepulchre is built over what they think is the burial. And actually, it's probably pretty good. It's probably pretty close. And so he puts it in there, and they put the tomb. Uh, now the next day, which is Saturday morning. Remember, this is Sunday. This will be Friday night. So Saturday morning... Uh, Although it's also possible that it is Friday night, because remember, in Jews, time starts at sundown. So it's possible at sundown they came to him and said, hey, they may steal his body, because they said he's going to arrive. Can, uh, can we put guards on it? And Pilate basically tells them, uh, take a guard, make it as secure as you know how. And they went, they put a seal on the stone, they posted a guard. These are not Roman guards, these are uh, temple guards. Uh, and then, uh, you know, 
the important part to Matthew is Jesus rises. So he, he only has details of the crucifixion that have to do with prophecy. So now, Exodus Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary went to the tomb, went to the tomb. There's an earthquake. Angel of the Lord comes down, says, uh, the guards were so afraid, they shook and became like dead men. They fell over. And don't be afraid. We know you've been looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where he lay. Go tell the disciples. Go into Galilee. There you will see him. So basically, this angel tells him, go to Galilee. Go back to Galilee. Uh, there are, and when you look at the different Gospels, there are lots of appearances that are coming up. And they go away from the front, from the tomb, and then they meet Jesus. Greetings, he says. Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go into Galilee, and there they will see me. So two things says go to Galilee. And then the guards uh, report that, hey, uh, the body's not here. And uh, the chief priest met. See, the most important, they went to the chief priest first. That's how we know they're temple guards. If they're Roman guards, they would have gone to Pilate, and they would have got killed. Uh, if failure in the Roman army was not punished lightly, especially something big like this. So they go to the chief priest, and they tell them everything has happened. And so the chief priest met with the elders and said, let's give them a large sum of money. Uh, again, that... that harkens back to the 30 pieces of silver. When they say a large sum, that's about what they're talking about. Uh, they, they came to the night and they stole him away while we were asleep. If you, if you sleep on guard duty, you're executed. So basically what they're asking them to say is, kill me. And that's how everyone knows that they're lying. Because they don't kill them. They give them money, they don't kill them, even though they say, yeah, we were asleep. That was automatic execution in the army. That that's dereliction of duty. Even in the Sanhedrin, yes. Like yes. This is yeah. We're you're hired guards. You're supposed to be awake and guarding. You're not supposed to be sleeping. And so yeah, you would. They would be executed for that. Okay, and Jews well, he wouldn't. They wouldn't care too much about you know. There there are rules and there are rules. It depends on how public you are. And so. Uh, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble because Pod's going to find out about it. Uh, so they took the money, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day, 35 years later. All right, and then the very and then the 11 got, disciples went to Galilee, went to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. They saw him, they worshipped him, some doubted. And he came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me." Therefore, go and make all disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. End of the book. <laughs> he, he, he takes this book out. I mean, it's like, boom, done. Jesus is up. He's raised. He's see you. See, we're done. And that's kind of... Good that's good time. Yeah, and here's all his resurrection appearance. If you take all the other books, Corinthians, uh, the, the four Gospels, Acts. Uh, Jesus actually appears to multiple people, multiple places. So Matthew really constricts kind of what happens after the resurrection. Because we know he's here for 40 days. You, in the book of Acts, you, you learn that. And so, but to Matthew, the important thing is that he's arisen and he gives you this command to go to all the nations. Because this is 35 years later and that's where all the Jews are at this point. Right? They've been scattered because the Romans are coming. So the final wrap-up. The kingdom of God is here. 
everybody is invited into the kingdom. Because through the whole book, it's not just the Jews. Jesus, you know, all his miracles, for every miracle he does for a Jew, he does one for a non-Jew. And he's invited everyone into the kingdom. And most boys, don't be a hypocrite, which is actor. Don't act like something that you're not. Be who you are. Be authentic, be real. That's the book of Matthew. All right, and I'll see you guys, maybe, maybe not, not next quarter, maybe the quarter after that. Thank you very much. Great job. Sure, thanks. Yeah.